And we're live here on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. What's up, guys? Nick Scripp on the P2W Fantasy Podcast. Here now in August as we're getting closer and closer to the fantasy football and just NFL season. Uh, excited about this show today. The last handful of podcasts has been uh, me sneaking in some podcast episodes in my office. And uh, it's just me ranting. So I'm, I'm happy to have two other very smart people come on the show today and uh, let them do the talking and me doing a, a bunch of question asking here. So uh, before we get into anything fantasy football related, I do want to make sure that I introduce both of these guys and let them talk about the awesome stuff that they are part of. But uh, we'll kick things off here with the guy below me, Connor Allen, who I've uh, had the pleasure of meeting in person a handful of times and uh, you know, talking about life and having a couple beers and all, all the good stuff there. But uh, Connor, sports betting manager for four for four football, four for four bets and bet spurts. Uh, you also have the Move the Line Sports Betting Podcast. So, can you let everybody know, just for those that will listen to this in their car later during the week, where we can find you on social media and uh, talk a little bit about what you do? Yeah, Nick, I appreciate you having me on here. Uh, yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at Connor Allen NFL. And primarily my main focus in season is in betting content. But, uh, you know, during the off season, I do a lot of high stakes contest uh, content. I'll be doing a FFPC main event uh, live draft in Vegas. And then I'm doing a, a draft right now, a slow draft with John Daigle and Ryan Noonan. And I'm keeping track of that, writing a, an article about all the conversations behind the scenes and, you know, how we're approaching picks and, you know, some of our arguments and disagreements along the way that always end up being uh, pretty good content. So, yeah, some some high stakes fantasy, a lot of betting. Uh, and that's pretty much my role at uh, 4 for 4. So, so I got a side question just before we move on. When, when you uh, are doing these drafts uh, with other people and there's obviously there's some some decent money on the line like how how tough is it to uh to move forward and get all on the same page is it is it pretty rough with that it really depends on your partner so like uh you know daigle and, and he'll admit it is, is very very difficult to work with sometimes and so we kind of butt heads uh and like you know that makes things difficult to happen but you know i i like to kind of play like go with the flow you know, I'm not going to pretend that I have all the answers, that I know everything. So, you know, I'm open to kind of hearing someone's like true conviction on something. And like, if he was really convicted on it, I'm totally cool with it. You know, let's roll. But uh, other than that, I like to kind of hold firm on what I believe is true. And, you know, I, I think the, the phrase is, uh, you know, whatever, strong takes held like weekly, something like that. Uh, you know, it's like be open to, you know, better, better opinions, I guess, if that makes sense. It makes sense to me. It makes sense to me. And um, mm -hmm. also with us here today, we have uh, Kendall Valenzuela and Kendall, senior analyst for Fantasy Life and director of all socials, doing some radio work, I believe, as well. And uh, mm -hmm. I've seen you all over the place. I feel like I've seen you on TikTok doing your own videos or doing Fantasy Life videos on Twitter, putting in work, like I mentioned, uh, radio. So uh, you were just putting in a ton and ton of work for that brand. So can you talk about where we can find you and uh, a little bit about what you got going on? Yeah, yeah. I'm excited to be here with you guys. Um, I run I run socials for Fantasy Life with a few other people uh, behind the scenes, and it's a it's a great gig. I'm, I'm super happy uh, to work with Matthew Berry and all the people that I do over there. So Peter Overzat and I, we have a brand new show on SiriusXM uh, from 5 to 7 Eastern every Sunday. So that's been fun to get kicked off the ground and, and doing a great job there. But yeah, find us on TikTok, uh, Instagram, Twitter, MB Fantasy Life. Uh, we're doing a lot of cool things. Subscribe to our newsletter. Our newsletter is the big kind of thing that we promote. It's free. Uh, brought to your inbox each and every day. We're going to go to seven days a week here pretty soon once the season starts up. So it's just a great group of people. We do 
betting, we have projections, we all know the same people inside and out. So it's a it's a great gig and I'm excited to be there. In the brand, uh, we talked about a little bit before the the podcast. The brand didn't like start yesterday, but it just feels like not out of nowhere, but it just exploded with with uh, what you guys are offering and uh, where you guys are all add on. So definitely tons of exciting stuff for uh, fantasy life, and um, I look forward every day to getting uh, my my uh, newsletter while I'm sitting in my office and reading through uh, the different tweets and uh, takes and all different things. So definitely Love awesome stuff. It. Yeah, here. it's like right, right with your coffee and breakfast. You're like, ah, oh, coffee exactly. breakfast. You read fantasy life, so you there get we it. Go. Yeah, it's better than the the emails that I'm I'm normally uh, reading through during the day. So, uh, as always, this podcast is partnered up with the Fantasy Points Media Group. Go check out fantasypoints.com/slash subscribe. Use promo code P2W22 for a discount. It's a one-stop shop for everything you are looking for fantasy football related, and they're pumping out content nonstop over at Fantasy Points. Excited to be part of that brand. And uh, what we have going on today, we'll get into in a second. We have a fact or cap episode, which is uh, one of my favorite ones to run. And uh, stick with us. It should be a great one. All right, so obviously we have the the hype of camp season going on. We see nonstop clips of every player that you can think of, and uh, everybody's making plays and. Uh, it's exciting stuff. It, it really is. But a lot of times I feel like when we see these camp clips and the coach speak and, and uh, other breaking news about players and situations, we have to kind of decipher if we should react a certain way or not. So I like to have these these fact or cap episodes, which I'm trying to you know stay cool with the times. We're saying fact are statements that are more true and cap are statements that are more false. So what I kind of want to do is talk about some things I've seen recently through camp. Uh, put out a statement and ask these guys if they believe that statement is more fact or more cap. And I hope if you guys disagree with each other, have at it. Uh, makes for more of a fun you know, show at the end of the day. And uh, hopefully we get some uh, some different answers here for some of these. So what I'll do is read off a couple different things, say the fact or cap statement, and then we'll just go around the table here and talk about it. Starting off with Marlon Mack, obviously just super uh, elite player that everybody in the world is talking about, but Marlon Mack was once uh, the Colts running back one. He rushed for 908 rushing yards in 2018 and over a thousand in 2019. He was a top 20 running back for fantasy in those specific years. We know that he had the Achilles injury that he came back from now with the Houston Texans. And I guess he's been saying that he's pretty confident in his health at this point. So fact or cap, and we'll go We'll go Kendall to, to Connor, and then we'll flip it next time. But fact or cap, Marlon Mack is a sleeper for fantasy due to his history as a starter and being back to health. Fact or cap? I want to say cap. I want to say cap. And I and I and that's what I'm going to start with. So I, I hate to start with cap instead of a fact because um, I do want to believe it, right? But I just think, like, I don't think the contract that he gave him, right, one year, $2 million contract with the Texans, just, I think, 300000 uh, fully guaranteed. I just 
think I like Damian Pierce with the fourth round selection in the draft. I think he's been quietly putting up just as nice of a preseason since camp started. Uh, the, the, he will have competition for the spot, right? I think that Mac does do a good job, same with Rex Burkhead, but I don't think any of them are as athletic or explosive as you can get with Damian Pierce, especially at his ADP right now. So I'm saying cap. I like Damian Pierce a little bit more. I understand the hype around Marlon Mack, but I cannot get behind it. All right. So Kendall right away throws the cap in there. We got to pivot to, to Connor and see if he's on the same wave. So Connor, same, same question. Marlon Mack, fantasy sleeper. Is that fact or cap? Yeah, I have cap as well. I mean, he, I know that he's removed well removed from the Achilles injury and that, you know, people are talking about how he's, he's healthier than ever. But if we kind of look at the history of running backs coming back from Achilles injury right now, like they're, they're over 12, just like ever, like, it's not just like a year. It's just ever no running back has come back and been successful from an Achilles injury. So, I mean, I think that's pretty important. And then as, as Kendall mentioned, like Damian Pierce is getting nonstop hype out of camp as like the clear unquestioned RB one is like basically from multiple reporters, what I've heard. So uh, I think it's cap. I think that you use the term sleeper. So I guess he could qualify as like a super deep sleeper, but I think cost adjusted, you're, you're probably better off taking Damian Pierce than Mac. And I, I have a side question. So I just, I like to throw some curveballs in here. So, so jump in how, how you please with this, but it, it seems like we, we always want to chase like that next James Robinson player, like a guy that's going super late or maybe undrafted and becomes this, this massive piece of our fantasy season. So obviously the cost for Damian Pierce now, you know, pivoting to him for a second here, obviously the cost is, is, is cheap. Um, but are, are you guys in on the, the, uh, potential of him having a big impact on fantasy lineups this year or is it just more of a a, a star throw with uh you know a potential better benefit just because of his ADP any any quick thoughts on Damian Pierce from you guys yeah, I would say I would say it's the latter, right? It's a dart throw. It's a shot in the dark. You hope that if something happens and he does have a really big season that you're like, oh, I, I drafted that guy. I believed in him. And you're just like, no, you kind of just took a shot in the dark and you hope to work out. It worked out and it did. But I still like him, though, right? He has I'm someone that always believes in the training camp hype. It's just something that I can't get away from. So when you see the explosiveness on Twitter and everyone freaking out about him, it makes me excited for him. So he is someone if he's there and he's at ADP or maybe he goes a little bit past I'll pick him up just because of the potential. And, but that's really all you're getting there is the potential that he does well. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's going at pick 122, you know, the last week on underdog. So I don't really think you're paying too much of a price there. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that this Houston Texans offense could actually be a little bit better than most people are expecting to like Agreed. Davis Mills, you know, faced a, a mm -hmm. murderer's row of defenses early in the season and looked terrible and then came back and played some easier defenses and looked pretty good. Uh, you know, another year in the system, I think that they'll be a little bit better than anticipated. And then obviously if Damian Pierce is playing a big role there, you know, some of that could, could go a long way. All right. I think we're all on the same page there with Damian Pierce, who I, I think is is a guy you truly can classify as a sleeper, just especially with the, the amount of camp hype that's been coming out for him and him winning the job early. Cause typically when these young guys come into the system with, with these uh, like 36 year old backs and, you know, Marlon Mack and, um, Rex Burkhead, it, it takes a little bit of time to, to win that job. But let's shift over to Tampa Bay, which has had some interesting news the last handful of weeks between some signings, some health uh, con concerns or returning to uh, play here. But I want to talk about Chris Godwin, who I early on when I was putting together like my list of guys I'm out on was saying that I was completely out on Godwin because I didn't want to wait for him to be back. And I didn't think that they would rush him back to health. But it's just wild to see him so ahead of, of schedule right now and, and working through camp. But Chris Godwin, 
was still a top 10 wide receiver overall for fantasy last season, despite playing the least amount of games for those that were inside the top 12 and overall fantasy points PPR for the wide receiver position. He averaged 17.3 points per game. Current ADP is wide receiver 21, 54th overall. So fact or cap, and we'll start with you, Connor. Chris Godwin not hitting the PUP, the pup, and training should give you confidence to draft him at his current ADP, a.k.a. his cost. Fact or cap? Yeah, I think it's fact. I, like you, I was also fading him early on, but I think we have to adjust to new information as we get it. Uh, like you mentioned, fifth, late, mid to late fifth round pick at ADP was the wide receiver uh, eight in PPR uh, points per game last season. Already back at practice, likely to be active for week one. I do think that they probably bring him back slowly. I think that he probably gets ramped up, but uh, you know, I think that you're still going to be able to get him used in, you know, red zone packages and like, you know, important plays early on in the season, weeks one and two, where by week three, he should be like full go uh, and and totally fine. So I think that at a, fi- a fifth round pick, like I think you're still getting good value there and that it's worth drafting. So I'll go with fact. All right. Connor is with fact. Kendall, same question. Chris Godwin not hitting that PUP and training should give you confidence at his ADP to draft him. Fact or cap? I say it's fact. I'm going to, we're just going to go two for two. We're going to do this all night, guys. I know I'm doing something right if I get the same answer as Connor. So I love this for me. Um, but I do. I, I was saying, and, and Peter had a great uh, video on our TikTok that you can go check out. But I think that you should have been drafting him in June, in July, and now in August. I think that even when there was a 25% chance that he saw the field in September, that the value you got with his ADP even last month was just something that you can overlook with what can be with what he can be this season. Right. And then you have Mike Evans, who's had a little bit of hammy issues over the last couple of days, and you think, okay. If something goes wrong there, I agree with Connor though. I just don't see them rushing it back. And that's, that's why I like it though. I can't see the bucks ever in a situation where they're rushing back. These guys, they have insurance with Julio Jones. They have insurance with Russell Gage, not saying that they're in any kind of level there, but they do have the insurance where they don't need to be rushing him back. So I do say it's fact. I think you should have been on him a couple months ago. If you were, if you didn't, if you are not in on him yet, do it now or else you're just going to look back and say, dang, I should have, I should have drafted Chris Godwin way earlier in the year. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's strange to, and it's always okay to pivot with, with takes and who you're in and out on, especially with we, uh, when we know about um, some health uh, news that, you know, uh, comes out. I mean, talk about Michael Thomas, like seeing him back on the field is much different um, than just having, having these speculations of uh, if he's going to play or not. But with Chris Godwin, I, I always had these thoughts that, Hey, He's probably not going to be back for X amount of weeks. They're not going to rush him back. They want to win a ship, and um, they don't need to force him into it. But just seeing him on the field doing these drills and being way ahead of schedule, it's okay to pivot sometimes. And none of us would, in a healthy world, mm-hmm. rank Chris Godwin as wide receiver 21 ever. You know, And, and mm-hmm. if he's ahead of schedule right now, then you just kind of have to pivot with that. But um, I, I did want to stay in Tampa uh, because I, I feel like there's – uh, a building of 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 uh, this wide receiver room just got uh, interesting to a degree because you know Russell Gage was uh, a player talked about by a lot of of analysts, including myself, uh, specifically because you know Tom Brady went out and and uh, and handpicked him. Uh, reports came out and said and said that he wanted Russell Gage in Tampa Bay, and we saw that Russell Gage was able to handle some volume pretty well in Atlanta this past season. Uh, as the wide receiver one with, uh, with Ridley being out of the picture and obviously Julio Jones, uh, a Titan at the time. Um, but 
the Buccaneers then go out and, and grab Julio Jones, who's only played in 19 games the, the past two seasons, but he spent all of 2014 through 2019 as a top 10 PPR wide receiver for fantasy. So we, we know he hasn't been the most healthy guy, but we also know what he's done through his career. So it, it draws these questions with Russell Gage. And I guess Chris Godwin probably can be tied into this one as well, but factor cap. And I believe it's Kendall's, right? Uh, Julio yeah. Jones, <laughs> uh, Julio Jones destroys Russell Gage's fantasy value for 2022. Do you feel like that's more fact or more cap? Ooh, this is, see, this is where I know that we could, we could start crossing paths here. I there, think there this go. is cap. I think this is cap and I'll say it's cap because I think that Russell Gage could destroy his own fantasy value if we're going to be honest with each other. Um, and that's not saying anything bad because you're right, right? Like he, he did do really well last year. He, I think he finished fourth fourth in like season catching he had a career high 70.2 catching 70.2 percent of his targets right so i like russell gage i see that there's a lot of russell gage hate out there which is understandable i do like julio jones too is the thing i like both of them there and like we were talking about it's a really really deep wide receiver room and you have chris godwin coming back you have mike evans with a little little bit of injury history there too with some hamstrings so i think the addition of julio jones and then russell gage offsets the loss more of Antonio Brown and Rob Gronkowski. And I think that there's enough target share there for all the love to go around. And maybe we know Tom Brady and we know he, when he finds his receivers that he likes and, and his guys that he likes, he just, he peppers them. So I could see a situation where Russell Gage maybe is more popular than Julio Jones. Julio Jones has a ton of injuries on him. Uh, he's a little bit, little bit of an unknown uh, player there. So I don't think it's Julio Jones that does it to him necessarily more than Russell Gage maybe doesn't live up to what they expected. But I do think there's enough love to go around where we see both of them have a pretty good stance in, in with the Bucks. All right. All right. Con Connor, are you in the same, same wave, a different wave here talking about uh, obviously Russell Gage's fantasy impacts with, uh, with Julio Jones Does Julio Jones destroy Russell Gage's fantasy value factor cap. Yeah. So, I mean, I went with fact, but I think I agree with what she Kendall was saying in, in terms of like, I'm, I think I'm closer to cap than fact. I don't, I don't really know because I don't think Julio Jones himself necessarily destroys Russell Gage's fantasy value. I don't think he destroys anything like that combination, but I think the fact of Chris Godwin coming back and probably playing week one, plus the signing of Julio Jones definitely like decreases Russell Gage's fantasy value. So, I mean, mm -hmm. for, in my opinion, he went from the clear number two for at least four to six weeks, which was our initial timetable on Godwin. He was going to be out for four to six weeks, and then we were not anticipating the sign of Julio Jones. So I thought that that was a ton of value there the first like four to six weeks. Now we're looking at him as like the third to fourth option, probably as soon as week one. Um, yeah. And so I think that that obviously decreases his ceiling like and his floor. And so I think it makes it a little bit tougher for me to get excited about it. But at the same time, like he'll still probably produce. I think he'll be okay. It's just that I'm not really excited about him anymore. So in that, in my mind, I'm not drafting him, uh, but at the same time, like I don't think that he's going to be complete, complete dust. And you also mentioned that, you know, Tom Brady handpicked him. If you go back, he actually went, I think, 11 for 130 against Tampa Bay last year in one game. So, uh, you know, maybe from handpicked him from the <laughs> sideline there and then uh, decided in the offseason that they needed to go out and get him. That That's funny because it, it's probably the, the case where he like mentioned it to the to staff or something like that. Like mm -hmm. this guy killed us or this guy's killing us yep. and probably never paid attention to Russell Gage the rest of the year. He just has that <laughs> distinct memory. So I think that's yeah. probably a, a free agency thing to think about. If you're becoming a free agent, 
your time to ball out is in front of Tom Brady against the Buccaneers. <laughs> and maybe you can get some cash over there. But um, I, I think it's interesting with Chris Godwin. I, I feel like we had this whole, this whole, like, what does Julio do to Russell Gage? But um, Chris Godwin demanding that role in the slot when he is healthy, I think that is just a massive impact on, on Gage. And I think what we look for all the time are these guys that have the opportunity for volume. And that's why we, we, we say that Gage is a sleeper or, you know, I, some people are saying Kadarius Tony is a sleeper. Maybe some people say Devonte Parker is a sleeper. Cause you're looking for these guys that might step in a decent volume, but don't cost you a ton, but that volume can change in a matter of weeks. And um, I, I guess my side question to you guys is before we, we close up Tampa, because we had back-to-back Tampa questions, is if you had to pick one, I, I don't know if it's a cost impact, if it's just a, I think this guy's got a higher ceiling. If you had to pick one to be uh, on your fantasy team, well, maybe we'll go Kendall Connor again. If you had to pick one, who who are you picking for 2022? If they say, hey, do you want Julio Jones on your team or do you want Russell Gage on your team? I like uh, I, I just love love throwing random curveballs in here that no, <laughs> obviously no no nobody nobody thought about before the show. But no. yeah, yeah, I would say um, whoever falls to me, right? So I guess I would say I do like Russell Gage just a bit more, and it's it's not it's not very far apart. It's you're choosing between two like the like you feel kind of dirty after it, but you're like I have to take him, so it's okay. <laughs> Um, but I, I'll I'll go with I'll go with Russell Gage only because I do like the contract that he got. Uh, he was handpicked, you know, just like Julio Jones. So they have this they have the same limit there. Um, I just think maybe there's there's a little bit too much. I see a little bit too much of Russell Gage hate. So I'm gonna try and just alter that image for a second and just think that he is a little bit more sturdy than Julio Jones. Uh, so that's what I'm gonna go with. I'll go with Russell Gage. All right, Kendall says Russell Gage. Connor, you got to pick one. Who is it? Oh man. Uh, I'll just for the sake of argument, I'll go with Julio, uh, just because, you know, I think he's a little more volatile. I think Gage is definitely the safer play, but you know, Julio has been efficient at times and has the upside, I think to truly crush if he does stay healthy. But, you know, again, obviously the biggest, if there is, if he does stay healthy, which uh, I don't think anyone can feel too confident in, but you know, in season long leagues, if he gets injured, you know, just pop him out of the lineup and, you know, put someone else in there. So I think if you're able to still get him, you know, in the double digit rounds or around there, I think still a fine pick. Yeah, he's definitely struggled to stay on the field. And I, I feel like all the time for fantasy, obviously he's not a young guy, but all the time for fantasy, we always have this like line of saying like, this guy's dust and he's trash versus like, he's just hurt. Because last year he actually had a couple of good games when he was healthy. I think, I forgot uh, which week it was. I think it was like week two, had a massive receiving day, their playoff game. He was pretty good too. So it's not like his talent's out the window. It's just that matter of health. But I want to talk about, uh, as we shift on, uh, a much younger guy, one one of one of my guys, but I, I want to see to what extent he should be a my guy. But I want to talk about Jahan Dotson, who first round draft pick. As I got like sleeper notifications going off over here, first round draft pick, 16th <laughs> overall uh, in college football last year, 2021, number 18 in receiving yards, number 12 in receptions, tied for eighth in uh, touchdowns. He had a uh, 98.5 yards per game, 41% dominator rating. He's a catch and run guy, tons of speed. Matt Harmon's reception perception had glowing numbers for him. He's killing camp right now. So, you know, based on these factors, I feel like I see a Jahan Dotson clip every day. And it reminds me last year of Elijah Moore, who was also like my guy last year. You just saw all these camp clips and he exploded later in the season. But it makes you you wonder where uh, this guy falls for the rookie wide receiver class. So, Connor, I'm going to throw it out there. Fact or cap, Jahan Dotson has a true chance to be the rookie wide receiver one for the year. 
I think it's fact, uh, but I think it speaks more to the rookie wide receivers rather than just the Dotson because I'm a little bit concerned about Carson Wentz. Uh, I just like I've heard from not only whatever reports, like I heard from local media members there saying that it's the worst training camp they've seen in their 20 years of working oh, uh, at Washington. Oh, no. So, yeah, I mean, take that for what you want, but like I, I, that's a little bit scary to me. And I think he still has some competition with Terry McLaurin there, obviously. But again, it's not much. He'll play in every down roll. He'll be on the field pretty much all the time. Uh, whereas, you know, guys like Christian Watson, I also don't think it's going to play. Traylon Burks you know, reportedly, you know, running the wrong routes or whatever those reports are coming out today. Um, Garrett Wilson, I think is the number two behind Elijah Moore and what I also consider to be a pretty volatile offense. I'm not really sold entirely on the jets as is. So, you know, I think that John Dotson definitely has a chance, but Drake London, the clear front runner for me, but I mean, I would say that he still has, certainly has a chance. So fact for me there. I do want to, uh, comment on the, uh, what you said about the camps. Cause I, I do actually recall of some guy like doing some sort of splits move and then people kind of saying something about uh, this is how the commanders are treating their camp. I forgot what he was doing. It, it was like one dude like doing a dance move or something. They're like, these guys are just messing around all the time. But K Kendall, same, same question. Jahan Dotson factor cap has a true chance to be the rookie wide receiver one for the year. Yeah, I, I'm going to go. This is the first one where I'm going to say cap. And I think we're on, we're on different ends of, of, of what we're talking about, but I do say cap because between like, you can't tell me, I love Jahan Dodson too. And I am someone that takes in all the fantasy and all the uh, training camp buzz, but you can't tell me between like Chris Olave, Sky Moore, Traylon Burks, like Drake London, even like Jalen Tolbert, it, you can't tell me that you think that with Carson Wentz, that he's like, you just can't, you cannot, you cannot convince me that that's going to happen. I do. And I know I really like Terry McLaurin is the thing too. And I, it's gross because this is the best quarterback he has played with in his career so ick but you have to take that into a little bit of consideration but even just between the rookies like Drake London I I took Drake London's over 764 and a half receiving yards I took his over touchdowns same with Chris uh, Chris Olave I took his 719 receiving yards is over four and a half touchdowns I just think that there's too many not not great situations in any means but I think there are too many guys that have situations where they can make an impact right away that they could maybe state state their case earlier, uh, which does which does down the line during the season. It does hurt other people because because Jahan, I could see coming down the line and having a really good second half of the season, having a really good few games. But then when you're going up against Drake London, Chris Olave, guys that may have made an impact right away, it's tough to say that he'd be the overall wide receiver one for the rookies. So I'm going to say cap on this one. It's it's interesting you you, you both uh, you bring up Carson Wentz. Do, John Dotson is like my, my my two guys, Drake London, John Dotson. It's, it's been my two guys. So I've been like making a bunch of TikToks or short video content on those guys. And everybody, will, like all these random accounts will come on there and be like, well, who's throwing them the ball? Or, or they'll be like, uh, <laughs> I forget who the quarterback is. Can you remind us? And things like that. So it, it is interesting with with uh, Carson That's Wentz. Me. Who That's gets, me on my yeah. burner. Oh, I'm just oh. like messaging. I'm like, who is this? No, Makes sense. Makes sense. No, I mean, uh, I feel like Carson Wentz is one of those guys that just gets a lot of shit all the time and maybe he deserves it, but um, yeah, it is interesting with Jahan Dotson. And, and I do, uh, like Connor, you, meant, you mentioned, I, I I would put, you know, Drake London is, as that just because of the massive volume he's, he's stepping into. And if it's one of us throwing him the ball, it's still going to be 120 plus uh, targets. But Really like Dotson on the year. We'll see how uh, the commanders shape up. Uh, hopefully they get their camp together, especially with what uh, Connor said about uh, the comments on that specific camp. But shifting over to another wide receiver who 
I posted exactly what I'm going to read uh, on Twitter today, and and I had a diverse response about it. I had some people saying about AJ Brown that uh, we're too low on him. I had some people saying that uh, they don't trust the quarterback situation. I had some people say he can't stay on the field, and it, it was a big mix of uh, takes when it came to AJ Brown. But I want to read off a couple of his games this past season. So versus the Bengals in the playoffs, he had five catches for 142 yards and a touchdown versus San Francisco this season, 11 catches, 145 receiving yards and a touchdown versus the Colts. He had 10 catches, 155 receiving yards and a touchdown. And the last one I'll read off uh, against the chiefs, eight catches for 133 receiving yards and a touchdown. So a lot of big upside games there. Uh, but fact or cap, and we'll Kendall, we'll go to you. We are focusing on too many other factors other than AJ Brown's talent when it comes to his rankings and projections. Is that fact or cap? I'll say I'll say that one's cap, right? I I think I'm, and I'm with you. Whenever we post anything about AJ Brown, people just come out of the world. I, I just feel like people don't like AJ Brown, and I'm sitting here like this is this is crazy to think about. But that's just. As a and you know, Nick, as as someone that manages some social accounts, like you just read all the replies and you're like, dang, this guy yeah. is uh, is not liked in the community. But to me, I really like AJ Brown, and I think like Sirianni said probably back in what March that there would be more of a run first offense, and I just don't, I just don't believe that. Not that I don't believe him, but I just they can't say that they're going to do, that. and it's tough when Hertz has has to do more through the air, and they added AJ Brown to come in and do that. And I really, I like breaking down schedules too. And I know you guys do, but like their schedule allows AJ Brown to thrive too, right? They have the third easiest schedule. I think they only play two teams in the Bears and the Green Bay Packers who have a top 10 passing defense last season. So I just think, I think there's a lot to like about AJ Brown and I like the potential that there is there. So he's someone that I do target, especially in underdog drafts. It gets a little tricky when guys like T Higgins or Keenan Allen is around in underdog because I look at their offenses and I know that their offensive environment, if you want to say, is probably a little bit better. But again, I think also that people are sleeping on Jalen Hurts a little bit. So I don't know. I like A.J. Brown. I think I think he's a little bit uh, slept on right now or just gets a bad rap. I also think like he, he has missed some time across the last uh, few seasons. And, and I feel like that emotional aspect plays into it because anytime uh, a guy is, is good for fantasy but misses time, People mm-hmm. will will obviously be be mad about that. I, I posted something about Christian McCaffrey today as well, and they I had people saying, "Well, this guy has only played in X amount of games, and you can't trust this guy mm-hmm. for fantasy and this and that because it's a, a bit emotionally um, biased at times for that." But I, I hear out some other factors, so I do want to get Connor your opinion on uh, the this situation factor cap. We're focusing on too many factors for AJ Brown other than his talent for rankings and projections. So I guess the other side of it could say, no, it's fair when it comes to maybe being a little bit lower on him. I keep going back and forth because he doesn't really come out high in a lot of our projections or pretty much anyone else's projections. Mm -hmm. But, you know, when you go back to last season, we look at the Eagles and see kind of, they are, we're two different teams throughout the season. Weeks one through seven, 61% pass rate, 4% pass rate over expectation. Weeks eight through 18, 41% pass rate, negative 12% pass rate over expectation when massively run heavy. So, you know, if we're getting a pass heavy Eagles team, which, you know, they obviously got AJ Brown, their pass blocking offensive line is supposed to be one of the best in the league, according to PFF, according to, you know, most other offensive line people, uh, it makes sense on paper for them to pass more. And if you're getting a pass heavier team, 
uh, with Hertz hopefully taking a step forward. I mean, AJ Brown projects, I mean, could potentially, you know, explode. But on the other hand, like if we get a run heavy Eagles team where he's competing for targets with Devonta Smith, with Dallas Goddard, and you know, they're really just controlling the game on the ground and their defense is good enough because they've taken a step forward where they don't have to air the ball out. Like, you know, the floor is a lot lower. But then when we look at AJ Brown as a player, like that's kind of what he came from in Tennessee. Like they were already doing that as is. And he was able to succeed with such few targets and just exploding, you know, slants over the middle of the house. Just like he was good enough, like you kind of put in the in there that he was able to overcome some of those issues. So I think he's fine at ADP. I just think he's like super volatile. Like the, this could go way a bunch mm-hmm. of ways. And I don't have the answer to like kind of what the Eagles are going to do. And if we did, I think that'd probably be a pretty important piece of kind of like the the fantasy puzzle as a whole. Yeah, that is that is very interesting to talk about because obviously the way they run their offense and, and what he'll see on a weekly basis can depend on on, on what sort of ceiling we will, we'd be comfortable talking about because like you just said with the Titans, they they established a run and and he's a player that you know, can have, I just read off multiple games above 130 receiving yards, but when you are only getting six targets versus a guy that is a premier wide receiver and a pass heavy offense, that's getting like eight to 10 weekly. It's two different things because, uh, in one situation, you're, you're, uh, you're kind of chasing his upside. You're chasing that. He's going to make some big, big plays in a game, uh, versus, Hey, we know his, his target volume is very consistent and it's high. Like the, you know, uh, Justin Jefferson's uh, of the world where you can just count on them getting, you know, that that sort of ceiling or like cup this past season, you know, breaking his numbers and things like that. But I really like that point about the the state of the the Eagles offense, because people have you know suggested they want to be more pass heavy. They got the the weapons with A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith and Dallas Goddard. And, and we've also heard that they want to continue to establish the run. So. I think it's very, very important to uh, kind of understand that that offense there. So that's great, good points. Um, next on the list, and and you know some of these transition well into each other. Maybe this one uh, not as much, but it's another wide receiver uh, that's getting like all the hype in the world uh, in in Buffalo. And I'm not talking about Gabriel Davis actually in in this sense. It's uh it's another guy, Isaiah McKenzie, who I feel like has been another. Um, guy that that is again a, a late round dart throw potentially that may pan out may not uh 99 career receptions for 922 receiving yards 2017 on uh, we have some quotes here josh allen isaiah mckenzie is working his tail off so he kept it clean there with uh, what he said about his wide receiver and then cole beasley for whatever reason uh google told me that cole beasley <laughs> chimed in and said he's gonna do big things speaking of isaiah mckenzie so Tons of camp hype. So, uh, Connor, fact or cap, Isaiah McKenzie will be the second best option for fantasy in Buffalo for the pass catchers behind Stefan Diggs. Fact or cap? Uh, to me, this is a cap. I, I I think that, you know, he's in a good position to be okay, but I'm pretty, I'm not say big on Gabe Davis, but I think that Gabe Davis is going to be pretty successful here. Uh, you know, I, he's, when he got, you know, opportunity last year. And when he started playing more snaps, it was like week 14 on, he ended up getting, uh, you know, 75% or more of the snaps kind of going forward. And he had multiple big games. It was not just his 200 yard playoff game that everyone saw and, you know, absolutely loved uh, and very crushed. But I think having that upside one is important Two, He's tethered to an elite offense. Three, he improved in PFF's metrics, you know, kind of going forward from year to year in terms of like separation and in terms of, just like, you know, growth as a player and he's still young. So I think that Gabe Davis is going to be closer to Stefan Diggs than Isaiah McKenzie will be to Gabe Davis. 
And I did put up a comment. I do want to read this just as a side Love note. That. We got our, our buddy Greg Yowen here <laughs> uh, saying, former Galaxy coach and player killing the fantasy football game. Got to love it. So quick story, but uh, uh, I coached soccer for a club uh, for a while that uh, that Connor actually played for a while back. So my boss was was his coach, and it's just strange to have all these these random connections Crazy. all the time. So that's, uh, that's, that's awesome, awesome for our guy, yeah. Greg. And, and Greg Yow, great guy. Also went to Illinois Wesleyan. It's, he played there. That's where I played, uh, you know, for the second half of my college career. So pretty yeah. wild. Even more ties right there. Yeah, great guy and Greg. Kendall, pivoting uh, to you uh, about soccer, no, about uh, Isaiah McKenzie. <laughs> so Isaiah McKenzie. Factor cap, second best option for fantasy in Buffalo behind Stefan Diggs. Are you with uh, Connor on cap or are you going to say fact? Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to go cap. I think the whole fantasy community like we have so much riding on Gabe Davis that I absolutely need to say cap. So I'm hoping for like every single draft that I've done that it is cap because I'll be calling you guys like mid November being like what the hell? We we said it wasn't going to be Isaiah McKenzie and now it is. No. Delete the video. <laughs> right, don't. <laughs> we have no evidence this is not here. No one dig this up. But I do the Bills, right? They rank first in total targets to wide receivers in 2021. We we know that. They have a prolific offense and and they were second in 2020. I think there's enough volume there for Davis to flirt with that wide receiver two production, even if he doesn't have the biggest target share, because that's what a lot of people come back and say to me. They say, oh, they have so many, they have such a good offense. And it's like, yes, but I don't think it's good enough for Isaiah McKenzie to come out and make you want to think that he is going to make a huge difference. I do think that he is kind of a sleeper just because of how much we are. I say we, but I mean me. I am pumping Gabe Davis. The vanity community is sometimes pumping uh, Davis just because like there's a lot of expectations there, right? So he could be going under the radar. I do pick him up if he comes to me in drafts at his at his at cost at ADP, whatever you want to say. I'm not slipping on him because there are situations where you hope that no one has injury. We say it all the time, but there is a situation where he can come in there and make a difference. I just don't think with with Gabe Davis in front of him and and how good that offense is that he's going to be someone that does that unless something bad kind of happens. Yeah, I think we're all on the same same page there. And it is a, a great offense that's going to have some good volume. So there might be weeks where maybe McKenzie finds the the, the end zone and, and it has uh, enough targets to to be relevant. I'm with more on, you know, the Gabe Davis train. I think I'm with you, Connor, though. I think you mentioned when you first started talking about him that I'm not as high as maybe others in the community are on Gabe Davis. But if we're talking about, you know, relevant for fantasies, probably going to be the guy over McKenzie that, would make some bigger plays or have some touchdown upside to him where McKenzie's probably going to be in the slot and, you know, you know, maybe not have that, that second most uh, target share in the, does this, I, I got to throw another curveball, you guys, uh, Jameson Crowder, are we just out on him or do we, do we think that these two are going to battle it out? I'll, I'll just say my, my thoughts on it. I, I, I've been like one of those, I was kind of being one of those, uh, trying to make, you know, say the right word without saying a bad word, but I was being a jerk about it. And just like saying that, you know, Crowder was going to out target Gabe Davis early on just because he's handled, you know, volume in the past and, you know, has done a decent job at getting open and things like that. But seeing this, this camp talk of McKenzie, I feel like maybe both guys will like, I don't know, take away from each other a little bit, but any, any thoughts on Crowder? Are we just like done with him because of the McKenzie hype or uh, do we still think Crowder can beat out McKenzie for that, that slot role? Uh, any thoughts? Any? Uh, I mean, 
I don't think he, I, if he's running behind McKenzie now, like he's got no shot. I mean, it's just kind of yeah. like over. I mean, what you needed for what the scenario you're talking about to play out was he needed to be like the opposite, like the clear starter from like, you know, now on like Isaiah McKenzie essentially did not exist. And then for Crowder to be being nonstop targeted in camp and like kind of that like hype train going from there right now he's running behind McKenzie and then you still have Gabe Davis in the way. So, and Stefan Diggs, obviously. So I, I don't know. I think that, I'm I'm kind of out on Crowder, even though I do agree that I thought like, you know, just on paper that he would probably get the job and be better, yeah. but I don't know. Mm-hmm. I wasn't really about it. No, I agree. I'm, I'm definitely, it's definitely McKenzie ahead of him for me and then Gabe Davis and then Stefan Diggs. It's just, it's such a good offense. I just can't, I that's, that is yeah. my final lineup right there. All right. All right. So, uh, just talked a little bit about the, the epic, uh, Crowder versus McKenzie battle for the slot with the bills. I want to talk about a potential another battle maybe for uh, this coming season, but uh, I want to talk about uh, George Pickens uh, selected number 52. He led Georgia in receiving yards as a freshman. So he had an elite breakout age. Um, he had a, a bigger jump in year two and his yards per game, but he missed most of 2021 with an ACL tear. Uh, they talk about um, his ability to, uh, to to gain those big receiving yards. And he, he also had a one career drop every 46.3 targets. So this is a guy that I think at, at one time early on in this wide receiver class might have been looked at as the best wide receiver, but it was probably too early when people were making those uh, assumptions. But he is very talented out of, out of Georgia. And uh, we look at Chase Claypool. He had less targets, less receptions, less receiving yards, and way less touchdowns in year two. He did play one less game, but we just didn't see an increase in anything for uh, Chase Claypool in year two. And uh, I thought it was funny how the draft went because Claypool announced the George Pickens draft selection, which <laughs> I, I have no idea why that was a thing, but it, it was a thing. But factor cap, uh, Connor, we'll go to you. So factor cap, when Claypool announced the Pickens pick at the draft this year, he was announcing the new Steelers wide receiver to factor cap. Yeah, I'm going to go with fact. I, I Apparently just like it's been a nonstop drumbeat. The Pickens has been balling on camp, apparently has the most receptions. And we'll, we'll touch on the offense a little bit here. I'm a little bit, I just think that there's going to be some changing pieces and we can talk about it in, in a second there. But I think that there's, the Pickens is a chance to, potentially you know flirt with Deontay Johnson in terms of like who's gonna lead the team in receiving versus you know Claypool I took an under on Claypool actually at 58 and a half receptions and his over under on receiving yards like 750 I like the under there too so I think the Pickens kind of steps in as wider two wide receiver two in a a volatile offense at this point and not to mention I mean the Steelers are notoriously good at drafting wide receivers in in like the middle rounds I don't know Someone needs to reverse engineer whatever, however they're picking people because, I mean, Mike Wallace in the third round, Emmanuel Sanders, third round, Antonio Brown, sixth round, Martavis Bryant had his day, fourth round, Juju, second round, Deontay Johnson, third round. I Just an immaculate history of drafting wideouts in the middle rounds. Whoever's that guy pressing that button for the wide receiver position in the organization, <laughs> if it's the same guy, Seriously. just someone's got to recruit him uh, to to like Green Bay or something. Uh, just a Bears fan throwing in a Packers joke, but or the Patriots need to throw him a couple million. <laughs> oh, there, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense too. So, uh, same question, Kendall. Factor uh, cap, and without making the joke, uh, George Pickens, wide receiver two for the Steelers. Factor cap. I was going to say cap, but you know, Connor, Connor's really good at, at giving me all the facts and information and maybe I flip it around. I think it's, and we're going to get to it, right? I think 
the whole thing over there is just kind of gross in general. So I could say cap and then I wouldn't, I'll say in contrast to that, I wouldn't be surprised though, right? I wouldn't be surprised. I like Deontay Johnson's new contract. I like Claypool. I know most people do not like Claypool. Maybe it's because, you know, of his celebrations and poorly timed stuff. But I do, I like them there together. I know Claypool had said that he was expecting to line up more all over the field to create those mismatches this coming season. I know that's better for him with his catch rate is 80% there when, when he does that. So I, but the thing is, I agree with Connor in most of those aspects, though, where I do see Pickens coming in and just making a huge difference there because they're going to have to try so many things to make to make that team work. So I can see him coming in and just being one of those guys that like kickstarts that offense a little bit more than than they expected. And so I'll say cap, but I'm flirting on the edge of, of that's a fact. And and we will bring up the uh, the the QB situation that you kind of hinted at. Uh, I did want to comment though and say uh, Connor did become more convincing once he put in that that betting uh, tidbit about the, uh, yeah, the exactly. receiving unders. I mean, I mean, if he's going to put some money on it now, now you kind of got to lean his way when <laughs> exactly. it comes to something like that. Um, exactly. I, I think that would I think regardless though they'll probably both be wide receiver too. I said mm-hmm. if that makes sense. So it's kind of a cop out, yeah. but I think to your guys' point, like. I don't really feel yeah. like that good about either of them, but I don't know. I don't really feel good, that good about anyone there. So now cool. I'm going to go hit Claypool's under now too. I'm going to do that <laughs> yeah. right after this. Like <laughs> like Connor told me. There. <laughs> Kendall, I got to ask then about the, the quarterback situation. So obviously mm-hmm. uh, we've seen, I, I thought I saw some more about Mitch. Uh, I don't know if it was today or yesterday. Um, didn't pay attention as much to it as I have been the last few weeks, but you had all these like, camp reports coming out saying that Mason Rudolph is like truly competing. And I think like Kenny Pickett was like the odd man uh, out of the, the trio there um, between Mitch Trubisky and Mason Rudolph, but um, interesting situation. And, and I feel like the fact that it is a situation might be a red flag to a degree because they're literally saying right now, like no one's the clear guy. Like we've been at it for a little bit here and no one's a clear guy, unless I'm wrong about uh, any, you know, Trubisky reports, but, uh, Kendall, sketchy QB situation factor cap. Because of that, we should be concerned about all Steelers skill players for fantasy. I would say cap, and this is only because I can throw shade and just say that they've had Ben Roethlisberger for the past couple years, so that in and of itself is like basically not having a good quarterback. So it's kind of where they're at right now, right? Um, No, but I, I do say cap though, right? Because with and we know Ben got Big Ben got worse as he went on, and the last couple seasons were not pretty. But to have to have your quarterback ranked twenty fourth among quarterbacks with true completion percentage, I think he sat at like sixty nine percent, which is just gross. And then twenty ninth percent in deep ball completion percentage. I think I read that one at PFF. It's just. That those were horrible situations. I don't think that you can get much lower than where they were at. If if I'm being honest, I know that the situation with Mitch Mitch Trubisky isn't great. Um, I'm really rooting for uh, Kenny Baby Hands Pickett to make it out there because he's he's someone that I like. Uh, but I just I think that the situation is gross in and of itself. Yes, so I I would worry about where you're drafting these guys. But I think that is relevant in their ADP and where you're getting them at least on underdog and places like that. Deontay Johnson, Claypool, I'm getting him really late. So those have been really fun stacks for me as of late figuring out, okay, do I want to get Mitch Trubisky in here? Do we think that Pickett is going to start eventually? When is that going to be week six? Are they just going to start him just to do it and 
jumpstart his career a little bit. So I think it's a bad situation and you do have to take it with a grain of salt, but it has been fun for underdog stacks as of late. Uh, and I think that hopefully they can get something going. You, you think that they can, hopefully. Connor, I don't know. Connor, help, help me out here. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I wish I could, honestly. I think that <laughs> right now I'm kind of like, I'm torn because like you said, Big Ben is bad. Like, I mean, he was 26 last year in EPA, completion percentage, composite score. Like, he was so bad. But then we yeah. look at Mason Rudolph, you know, last year. He was 48th, you know, on whatever, 60 attempts. Uh, and then we have Mitch Trubisky, who in his last full year as a starter, was 21st. And I think Nick shared the misery of having to watch Mitch Trubisky uh, in Chicago uh, multiple times. Uh, he yeah. was pretty bad, you know, uh, for mm -hmm. the good majority of his career outside of 2018. So like, I guess that my concern not really relies around like the quality of play, but more so the volume. So if we look at like the offense, when big Ben was there, you know, like big Ben was just basically taking over and saying like, we're going to pass the ball whenever I want, because it's my offense. Like there was Matt Canada was not the offensive coordinator. Like big Ben was just doing whatever he wanted to do. Now you have Trubisky and, you know, Rudolph and Kenny Pickett, like Canada is going to, probably take over there and be the guy in terms of calling play. So what does that look like? Is there going to be more running plays? Is there going to be like way less volume? I mean, big Ben, you know, they, they're ranked like what a top five team in pass volume last year. Um, so mm -hmm. that's kind of my concern is that like, not necessarily the efficiency, I think probably is the same, maybe a little better, but the volume could go down. So if the volume goes down, I think you'll see someone suffer. I don't know if it's going to be, you know, Claypool, if it's going to be Deontay, if it's going to be you know, Pickens doesn't really break out ever. Uh, and all this was just nonsense. So I guess that's kind of my concern. So I would, I guess fact, but I don't know. I, I'm just kind of like a little concerned about the whole, the whole situation as a whole. Yeah. I, I think that's the, the big key. That last part that you said is, is the volume concerns, because if you look at so many, you go to playerprofiler.com and you type in Ben Roethlisberger from last season, you see where he ranked in pretty much every like category advanced category for the quarterback position. It was absolutely awful. But if the volume's there, the volume's there, but if the volume changes, that's a, that's a huge asterisk for, uh, for this whole offense, but you know, especially seeing Deontay Johnson uh, command one of the most targets in the league last season, Najee Harris uh, lead running backs and targets and Pat Fryermuth being maybe a, a year two sort of breakout. And, and, and you just go down the list with the rest of the guys in the system. So I do like that. And uh, we're about 50 minutes in, so I want to end this show doing it like a lightning round. So you're just going to give me, I'm going to ask, ask the question. You just give me your, your, your one word in, in uh, uh, maybe you can uh, plug uh, your reasons why I'm like, uh, like a video uh, another day or something and get, get you know, sorry, not, not we're too chatty over here. We've been talking for too long. Yeah. No, it's like, always geez, me. I had 10 other questions. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Well, it's actually me all the time too. Like asking the question I said, I would ask and be like, well, here's like two other questions for you guys for that. Just uh, the brain's turning all the time, but lightning round and uh, appreciate you guys in the comments. What is up, Nate? I'm just going to ask you the last couple uh, and you guys just tell me fact or cap. We'll just go. We'll go Kendall Connor. All right. And uh, all right. I'm going to say I'm going to say I've heard it pronounced like six different ways. So uh, Packers wide receiver Romeo. I've heard dubs. I've heard Dobbs is all smoke and mirrors. Kendall fact or cap? Cap. I say cap. I hope it's dubs too, because I've been saying dubs, but I think it's cap. All right. Connor, pronunciation uh, and in fact or cap. <laughs> uh, dubs sounds cooler and cap uh, as well. I think he's the real deal. 
Okay. All right. Uh, we'll go Connor Kendall, Factor Cap, Ramondre Stevenson will lead the Patriots in total running back touches in 2022. Uh, fact, but I don't feel good about it. All right. All right. Fair enough. Kendall? I'll say, I'll say fact. I need one of two people to be this guy, and it's either going to be Gabe Davis, that is our correct answer here, or it's going to be Ramondre Stevenson. I can't not have both, so I'm going to say, I'm going to say fact. All right. And uh, last factor cap, uh, Michael Thomas, factor cap, Kendall, then counter. If Michael Thomas is truly back, he is the most slept on player right now for fantasy at his ADP factor cap. I'll say fact. Okay. Connor? Yep. Fact. All right. All right. Last one word thing. Uh, we'll go, uh, we'll go Kendall. Connor, give me one player just to close out the show. And if people want to know why, they'll have to just chase your guys' content and, and find the, the reasons why. But I want to know one dark horse to be the number one player in fantasy for QB, running back, wide receiver, tight end. If you guys have somebody that comes to mind, if, if you need a second to think about it, that's fine too. You don't have to have any reasons why. And, and we're talking dark horse. By dark horse, I always mean uh, – you're not literally projecting them as to be the wide receiver, running back, or quarterback one, but just somebody that maybe nobody's talking about to finish there that has like that sort of ceiling. Um, Connor, you want to start us off? Do you got you got a, a one guy for each position? Oh, for each position. All right, wide receiver. I, I had to know right. for wide receiver, uh, Corlin Sutton. Okay, uh, and then yeah, give me a minute for the rest of them. I didn't have that. All right, down. all right. <laughs> Kendall, you have any of your your picks for this? Yeah, let I'll go. I'll go first. I'll go quarterback, and I'll go Jalen Hurts, and and I'll do that. And I'll say, listen to SiriusXM, or, or at least listen to last week's show. Matthew Barry came on. He's got high expectations for Jalen Hurts, so I'll say Jalen. Yeah. I know most are not going to agree, but it is a dark horse, so that is why I say that. Um, let's see, wide receiver. I have. I've been reading a lot about Devonte Parker, so that is just way out there. But I will say Devonte Parker. Uh, and then tight end, tight end. I'm going back with the Broncos, though. I love this is my main one that I did think about before we came on. Albert Okunbuemi right. with the Broncos. Interesting, interesting. All right, Connor. Any any, uh, any more? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go with the, the Broncos the stack. Broncos stack here. QB uh, Russell Wilson, QB okay. one. Uh, running back, we'll go with uh, you know Uncle Lenny. Uh, Leonard Fournette. Okay. It's not, I don't know really how dark horse that is, but whatever. Second round, that's, that's fine. Sure, I mean, yeah. he, he lost 25 pounds. I mean, what is it? James Harden, man. James yeah, Harden. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to him. And then uh tight end, we'll go Pat Firemuth. Okay. All right. Nice. So it goes right back to, uh, to Pittsburgh. So thank you guys uh, so much for coming on the show. Uh, this was awesome. I, I love, I've been like just rambling by myself on solo podcasts. So I'm glad I just got to like ask a bunch of questions and curveball questions and uh, have you both on ton of fun there. Uh, we, uh, this episode flew by. So I, I do want to remind everybody where they can find you guys. And if you want to plug anything, please do that. So we'll go Kendall and then Connor, where can we find you? And if you want to plug anything to close it out, please do so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my my Twitter's right there, K Valenzuela seventeen. Uh, follow me there. I will always have to plug uh, MB Fantasy Life. We're super excited for Matthew Barry. He announced his NBC deals, um, and he's he's really excited. So you can find all his stuff there. He's still going to be contributing 
uh, to our newsletter. So go to all our socials. It's MB for stands for Matthew Berry Fantasy Life. It's everywhere. TikTok, Instagram, Twitter. And then you can sign up for our free daily newsletter. And then, like I said at the start of the show, Peter and I have a new show on SiriusXM from 5 to 7 Eastern every Sunday. So we would love for you guys, you know, just join us, listen, call in, whatever you need to do. But it's been fun. Thanks for having me, Nick. It was a, it was a good time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Connor, same, same two questions, man. Where can we find you and anything you want to plug? Yeah. I, I also appreciate you having me on. This is, this is a great time. And, uh, you know, I think we had some good answers for the most part there. Uh, almost always Agreed. the same. Uh, you can, you can find me on Twitter at Connor Allen NFL. And then all of my work is at uh, four for com or Betsperts. Uh, you know, we have a great betting subscription, bunch of free tools. We have, uh, one of my favorites is scraping all the projections, comparing them to the sportsbook odds for player props. So Love getting down money on that, and uh, we'll have some week one bets up coming pretty soon. Awesome, awesome stuff. Two two great people working for two great brands, so I really respect them taking the time out of their day to come on the P2W Fantasy Podcast. And uh, if for some reason you're following me and not these guys, please change that because these two are awesome. So thank you guys for tuning in. You can uh, just check my Twitter page for a bunch of random stuff throughout the week. But uh, have a good rest of your night, and uh, we're getting close to football. So uh, sneaking in there. Thanks, guys.